Hello, and welcome to episode 183 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Butler, joined today with Melissa Kavanaugh. Howdy ho! And taking on way more responsibility this week is Pete DeMeo. I'm sorry, I was late for my first time. Uh, no, that was a joke. I was here the whole time. Uh, yeah, hey everybody. Good to You're hear from you. So, so Pete, Pete's taking over the recording aspects of the show it usually fell on me but he's he's stepping up to the plate so if the sound quality is way better then it's because i did expert training with pete and uh, if it's way worse it's because pete isn't a good student so either way or if you're not hearing this because it didn't actually record it's also oh, pete. option three <laughs> is most likely to be happening <laughs> this is so weird i keep going to look at garage man to see the levels and and they're not there because i'm not recording this is like bizarro world for me right now nope your uh your levels are staying in the green store so you have nothing to worry about green levels that's what we aim for yep this is great hey pete hey. even though you're doing the recording you still have to sing jingles though just so you know yeah that's not I- my okay that that is the plan now here's something that is going to be changing that our listeners won't even know is i grabbed the mp3 of the robot sound so we're just going to do that in post oh it'll make life so much easier but then we don't get to hear it that's rude i I figure melissa could still sing her jingle for that though oh man i guess so so you're going to replace her jingle we'll react to that but then you'll put in the the beat boots yep exactly cool Alrighty, well, enough of the fluffery. Let's talk about what we're talking about today, which is communication. We we talked about this before. We talked about the disaster communication plan. Uh, I think that was back in like episode eighty something. So that's a couple of years ago now. And then we also talked early on in COVID, sometime end of March last year in twenty twenty. We talked about how you could be messaging to your guests during that early phase of the pandemic. But as with everything things are changing once again. And we talked a lot on this show about agility and the need to change and adapt to the world around us. And we figured this is a good opportunity to revisit communication, the tone, the messaging that you're pushing out, the reassurance, the expectation setting, all that fun stuff. And Pete was lucky enough to do a presentation on this very subject yesterday to our local market. So he has kind of tweaked that presentation for your audio pleasure today and that's what we're going to be talking about pete absolutely so here's the important thing to remember about this whole conversation we're about to have but we have a a little stat first is everything's looking pretty good in a lot of markets for you know the future i know you know meeting with several clients there's a lot of green numbers uh to the point where it's even beating 2019 numbers for a lot of properties so that's great but the reason we want to do this podcast now is everything is still fresh in our minds about what we did right and what we did wrong. So now is the time to start thinking about those communication plans as we move into the future and hopefully much greener pastures. Wait, you're saying we can learn from what we've done in the past? Yeah, the, the saying is history doesn't always repeat, but it does rhyme. So you know, we can yeah. learn a lot from the past and, and make sure we don't repeat the same mistakes. <laughs> Never heard that. No, that's uh, that's actually from Mark Twain. Mark, Mark Twain. Yeah, yeah, Mark Twain. Right, right, Clements. Samuel Clements. Yes. 
Um, oh, okay. I never read it. So, well, it wasn't. It wasn't in. It wasn't in. It was just a pearl of wisdom that he had. So, before we do that, we have a stat of the week. It's the stat of the week. Stat of the week. Stat of the week. This stat of the week comes to you fresh from the latest version of our consumer sentiment study, which is going to be survey number 12. Who knew we would have so many of these? Because, you know, this was supposed to last like two months. But here we are. So our stat of the week is asking about our uh, consumers' COVID vaccination status. And it turns out that nearly 50% of the people who responded to this survey, we had over 2,000 respondents, said that they are fully vaccinated. How about that? That's crazy. And so keep this in context, right? So if we looked at who we're, who, who we're serving, these are people that are avid travelers or travel fairly frequently, mostly to resort destinations, mostly not, mostly North America. It's primarily U.S. There's a few Canadians in there too. But it, the database does skew older, right? It yes. is very heavy in the 45 and up kind of range. So this this would explain. I don't think this is necessarily saying 50% of all adults in the U.S. are vaccinated. But of this segment, it's it's a large number, very large number. And it goes to show you that people who are planning on traveling are proactively getting that vaccine so that they're ready for it. Because you know, more and more talk about vaccine passports and people checking to see if you have been vaccinated before you visit certain destinations or properties. So yeah, that's something that's going to be coming down the road. So it's good to hear that travelers are already on board. Yeah. And interestingly, you know, people were at different phases. We also asked if they'd have one of the two shots, if they were um, scheduled for their first shot, if they were waiting to be eligible or if they just had no plans to, you know, or actually if they're on the fence about it or if they had no plans. And it was a very low number, like 12% of people said they didn't have plans to get a vaccine. So, I mean, if that bears out, if we can get, you know, 88% of the population vaccinated, we're going to be in really good shape. We're going to have, you know, we're not going to eradicate this virus ever, but we're going to have it under control enough that it's not a pandemic level event and people aren't dying left and right like we've been seeing. And um, importantly, the hospitals aren't, aren't overrun. So we can get back to some form of normalcy and start treating COVID more like we, we treat the flu at this point. So... Yeah, and if you're in that 12%, they're just flat out refusing and it's not on health or religious grounds, then really spend some time questioning your position and researching and seeing if you can make sure that what you're deciding on is rational and not just based on some kind of fear in the lizard brain that you're trying to rationalize with, with you know, backwards logic like a lot of folks I've spoken to. So encourage everyone to get the vaccine. I've had my second shot, feel fine. Everyone I know have had it, feels fine. And I tell you what, it is a relief when you get that second shot. You feel like a weight is lifted from your shoulders. And even though you don't need to be reckless, you do feel like you can get back to somewhat normal. I'm just ready to get back to being reckless. <laughs> what, what shot do I have to take for that? <laughs> a shot to the heart. Yeah. That's what it is. Point of Bon Jovi. All right. So, so, hey, I have three easy steps for everybody. Do you? Yes, there are three easy steps to build your disaster communications plan. Well, that's good because if there was four and they were difficult steps, I don't think anyone would want to take them. 
Exactly. This is this is the only thing. These are the three easy steps. You take these, and all of a sudden, all your disaster planning is or communications planning is taken care of. So I presented this to the Myrtle Beach Chamber of Commerce pretty recently, and the live audience. It was about sixty six percent of the audience that we surveyed did not have a specific communications plan for disasters. They had a disaster plan, they have a communications plan, but they don't have that thing that kind of sits in the middle, which is just for how you should communicate in times of disaster. So that's what we really want to talk about today is why we need to have that specific plan, what we need to have as part of that plan, and how we're going to monitor the situation to know, okay, now it's time to to open up the plan and start working it versus being in fear, being in panic mode and standing back and, and waiting until it's almost too late to be proactive enough to reach your and engage your customers and guests. Let, let's be honest, like a disaster is not something you can foresee, right? I mean, certainly nobody could predict the pandemic. Uh, you know, nature has a funny way of sneaking up on us. Earthquakes, wildfires, hurricanes, tornadoes, all these things, you know, they're inevitable in some parts of where we live. So be yeah. ready. Something really, the scope happen. is beyond disasters, too. It's really any kind of crisis. And crisis could come from any direction, right? You could, could have something situationally happen on property that creates a big firestorm that you need to right address so any kind of crisis really yeah and i think if, if it's a specific crisis that happens to you you're much more likely to know that it's it, you definitely want to have that plan but you'll know that's happening right away because something obviously bad happened at your property the trick is we always know something else is coming down the road covid may never come back in the form that it was but how do we know it's not a geopolitical event? How do we know it's not going to be, in our area, hurricanes or whatever else is coming down the road? There will be disasters that we have to address. Yeah, so, Mars attacks level alien invasion. Yes. So that's, it's, it's very important if we do have a Mars attacks level that we stay out of Washington, D.C. because that gets blown up. Yeah. yeah, any major city, I think. Every capital. So, but yeah, so let's go ahead and start, jump in on step one. And step one of all the three easy steps is the easiest of the easy step. And that is to avoid what is called normalcy bias, which is the, our human brain's typical way of saying things have always been a certain way. So I'm going to assume that they're going to continue to be a certain way, even when you are faced with imminent change. And with COVID, we saw so many properties fall victim to this. Because they said, okay, this is something that's happening overseas. This is something that is, you know, two more weeks. It's not a big deal. The people and the hoteliers who immediately opened up their disaster plan and their communication plan and said something has changed. It, they didn't know it was going to be COVID. Nobody knew COVID. But they did know something was happening. And they were op able to open that plan and tailor it and customize it for the disaster we had at hand beginning a year ago. Yeah, and I think there's there's some wisdom here related to normalcy bias that, that you can take not just with communication but with operations in general. Because I, I think had Fuel taken the approach that a lot of people did at the beginning of the pandemic, which is this is only going to take a, a few weeks or months before it's sorted out. It's not going to be, you know, a year long plus event. 
uh, we wouldn't have been able to navigate it as well. It was the fact that we sat down and had a strategic planning session right at the beginning of March and said, this could be different. How could it be different? And what should we do if it's different um, in these different ways? Had we not done that, I think we would have been in a lot worse shape. We wouldn't have been able to keep all our employees and all our customers. And um, The same thing happened back in the day when the Internet came up. You know, People were saying things like, uh, the Internet will never drive more than 2% of my my direct bookings. You know, it's it's a fad. It will never change the way consumers behave. And so it's easy to get stuck assuming that the way we do things is always going to be the way we do things. But, you know, the one thing we've learned, you look at what you do now and what you did 10 years ago, it's probably fundamentally different. And in another 10 years, it will probably be fundamentally different again. Absolutely. And yeah, I think there's, there's one specific example I had here for as it relates to COVID. It kind of makes the juxtaposition of someone who had a plan and someone who didn't. We actually covered this back on episode 95 when we were talking about disaster planning. And if you look at the case of Hilton, who at the very, I guess, probably February, early March, they completely revised their cancellation policies for their guests even if a guest had a non-cancelable reservation. Hilton made the change and said, it doesn't matter where you booked, how you booked. If you need to cancel, you can cancel without any fees or penalties whatsoever. They had that ready to go in advance. So they didn't necessarily know that, oh, it's going to be specifically COVID. It's going to be a pandemic that begins here and moves to the United States. They just knew something could change and they better have something in place. So that's somebody who did it really the right way. They were servants to their customers. They were proactive. They reached out to people with reservations and they did everything they really are supposed to do. We also, back on episode 95, we talked about a vacation rental company that's up in the mountains. And their policy was if you had to cancel your stay, you would have had to have paid 8% extra for a reservation guarantee. If you didn't pay that extra 8% for the guarantee, there was no refunds, there was no cancellations, there was no moving, It was that was it. When COVID hit and people had to cancel reservations, because of, a lot of times, because of government mandates regarding travel, this vacation rental company stuck to their guns and they said, nope, you didn't pay the 8%, you're out of luck. I think you can imagine that they got pretty much destroyed from a, a social media perspective and it's, it's gonna hurt them long time, long term. Everyone sees that Hilton took care of their customers. They were servants. They were true hoteliers. Whereas the vacation rental management company, who didn't have a plan, just completely dropped the ball. And that's going to hurt them long term because you're going to think real hard about booking with them if you've ever lost the amount of money that a big luxury mountain vacation costs. Yeah, that was pretty rude of them. Not a fan. Yeah, I wonder how they're doing now. I don't. I think they probably lost a lot of loyal guests. Yep. So, it, the trick is, is by having that plan, Hilton didn't have to wonder what their strategies were going to be. All they had to do was open the plan and say, "Okay, something has changed. Now let's start working the plan." And by doing that, they didn't have to have that delay that this vacation rental company had trying to do business the old-fashioned way when they were in a completely different market. That is step one, is simply to understand that you're going to have to break out that disaster communications plan and and start working it. So what's step two, Pete? Step two is going to be defining the what of your messaging. What? The what? what Yeah, you had to figure out what you're going to say. So, Mm. and, and I think this one's going to be where 
Melissa is the guru because the most important thing you can do is understand what it is that your audience actually wants to know. And you have to be aware and you have to, I would suggest, ask them questions. One of the things that we've done, obviously at Fuel, we have our uh, customer sentiment studies. We started the first one, I think it was April 2nd of last year. So yeah, so it's, we've been asking travelers coming to the Myrtle Beach area and, and just travel in general for a year going on our 12th study now, what it is that makes them tick and what it is that are their biggest objections to traveling. And every one of those surveys that we did, we had a, a word, cl- word, word cloud that was created based on a single question of what is one word that describes how you are feeling? And the number one answer of all times was safety. Safety. So everyone just wanted to know that they're going to be safe. So from COVID's perspective, that makes all the sense in the world. You have to overcome that objection of, am I going to be safe when I'm traveling? For people who did not understand that, they were way off message when they were communicating with their guest, really starting in late February, moving forward. So have a plan, honestly, now, while we're not in a specific disaster, or at least we're coming out of one, to communicate with your guest in terms of getting surveys out there, understanding what they want, figuring out what the hot buttons are so you can be the most effective marketer that you can be. And then once you know what those concerns are, all you have to do is overcome them, which honestly is a lot easier than you would think. And that's where a lot of the the planning beyond just your communications plan comes in. So, so how are you addressing guest concerns for safety? You know, what are you doing to, to make them feel comfortable in the checkout process, in the stay process, in the travel process, and everything else? So what you don't want to do is you want to you don't want to make sure that you're completely off message because you know when you see that it is it can be pretty horrendous. So you know one of the things that we saw a lot especially at the beginning of COVID, was hoteliers and businesses in general marketing how you would three, six months before COVID hit. And what I mean by that is you would see these promotions for, you know, visit X destination and save 10%. And they kept pushing this discount model, which may have worked really well in the past. But the issue that kept coming up is that hotel is using an economic solution to overcome a non-economic problem. People weren't traveling because it was 10% too expensive and if they lower it by 10%, everything's great. They weren't traveling because there was a real fear of dying, of getting a disease, of your family being sick. That was the objection that hoteliers had to overcome. And only by asking and understanding what your customers truly want, could you be on message and not become tone deaf to what you actually need to be communicating. Yeah, this this is one where, you know, I don't think hotels in general spend enough time talking to their guests in, in learning about their guests. And I got a, another cool story. This is Clubhouse, and it's actually from the same property I, I talked about last week with the, um, the fact that people had followed them to three different properties um, is the Saratoga Arms. I forgot to mention the name last week, but they uh, started asking the, the, the owner of the property, she had been spending time talking to guests in the breakfast room 
Imagine and, that. Yeah, getting to know. And, and one of the insights she got, she realized there was a pattern where there was a lot of people coming from, they're, they're in sort of upstate New York, and there's a lot of people from downstate that were coming and staying at their property on route to getting a vaccine. And so they were making a, a trip of it, right? They were spending a night or two at her property and taking their time so that they could, instead of having to go into the New York City to get their vaccines, they could go upstate and get them where they were more freely available, having to deal with the nonsense and turn it into a vaccination. And so the fact that she had taken the time to talk to guests led to this insight and uh, she'd come to Clubhouse and, and asked us about, well, what, what could she do to capitalize on this? And, you know, should she spend money advertising it? And, and the consensus was, no, I mean, putting money behind it, you know, maybe not the right thing to do. They're, people aren't necessarily looking, searching out for this necessarily. And it might only be a short-lived thing. So by the time you spin up a, a campaign, it, it, you might have missed it. But it certainly would be worth um maybe creating some demand, you know, creating a blog post and putting that out in your social channels, but also maybe reaching out, um, doing some block, block and tackle PR and reaching out to the media outlets in the driver markets, right? So if, if you know that a lot of these people are coming from a certain area, um, then reach out to the media outlets. So she did. She ended up reaching out to a reporter for one of the local TV stations in one of the areas where she was getting a lot of guests, and they ran a segment. And um, now she has this awesome two-minute video with her being interviewed, the, the Saratoga Arms being promoted, that not only aired in um, the markets where it's going to drive more volume, but also now she has that cool video to show people on her social channels as well. So it was just a really cool kind of conversation that cropped up on Clubhouse. But it, it started, the, the, the inception of this was because she talked to her guests and learned something about them. Wouldn't have happened without that in inception. I love that story so much. Isn't it cool? It's one of those stories that I, I'm going to tell a million times over the rest of my career, right? Because it, it it's it's a perfect story in so many ways because it really is the quintessential innkeeper who is running a property and cares enough about the, the um, people to um, ask them questions and then took the effort. To, to try to figure out what to do with that that knowledge, sort out information on a platform that I absolutely love in, in being Clubhouse. Um, it's certainly anytime I'm talking about Clubhouse to any kind of audience now, it's a story I'm going to tell. But it's also, a, you know, like I said, a quintessential innkeeper hospitality story. And, and I really, really love it. Yeah, you know, that kind of brings us right to the second part of <clears throat> what I want to focus on for step two is when you're communicating to make sure you're very authentic in your communications and you're setting the expectations of what people can expect when they visit your property versus what they may have expected in the past. But just being authentic, being genuine, this is the time during any disaster you're communicating with your guest. It's not a heavy sales process. It's being that innkeeper. It's talking to your guests. It's understanding what they need and getting information to them as quickly and efficiently as you can. So, because the last thing you want is you don't want your guest concerned about an upcoming stay and not aware if they can get a refund. Even if they're tossing and turning in their sleep and they've not reached out to you, they're still forming this subconscious negative impression of your property. So reaching out to them, being proactive and 
setting those expectations is so, so important. Yeah, this is, go ahead, Melissa. I was just going to say, I've heard so many stories where that's just, the the expectations are not being set right now. So that's just going to come back and hit these properties long-term in reviews that people were unhappy with their stays because we know hotels are having a really hard time being fully staffed. I haven't heard one single property saying, oh, we're good to go. Everything's great. So, you know, people are struggling to to keep up at the hotel. And if, if people were just honest in that communication before people arrive, before their guests arrive, during the booking process to let them know, hey, we are doing our best, but we are understaffed. Please have patience with us and we'll make it right with you versus having a piss poor experience when you get to the property would make all the difference in the world or oh we used to have a breakfast buffet but now because of covid we can't give you that and they didn't know that when they got to your property that is not going to go well and that's one of the biggest complaints that i know a lot of properties have had is if you're expecting this massive buffet of bacon and eggs and danishes every morning and you get your little breakfast box of an apple and some you know a croissant that does not meet the expectations. And as a hotel, you can't be scared to go out to your guest and say, when you get here, this is what you can expect. Because they're going to get there and they're not going to be getting what they expected. All you're doing is taking that problem and pushing it to where it's actually happening at the property instead of addressing it first and foremost in helping that guest realign their expectations. Yeah, and you're actually, by, by pushing it off, you're making it a bigger problem. Like You can completely eliminate this problem by presenting them with the, the information before they book. And that's a self-selective thing that will maybe limit who comes to stay with you. But at long term for your property, that's the right decision. Because we've seen again and again, when people's expectations does not meet their experience, that is the beginning of the end for a property. You cannot recover from that at least for a long, long time. And and people's expectations are through the roof right now. People have been pent up for so long. They're spending a little more more money on vacations that maybe were a little more aspirational than their their past vacations. And for that reason, they think it's going to be the trip of a lifetime. Their expectations are higher than they have ever been. And they're getting there and they're getting hit in the face, not just with uh, a slight miscalculation of expectations but a underwhelming miss right where lots of things are different and it's okay that they're different there's a reason for that but you've got to tell people before they book after they book before they arrive when they arrive you can't just put it in one pre-arrival email or confirmation email and expect everyone to see it you need to do it in written form you need to have high graphics that are going to communicate this you you might even want to shoot a video of having your general manager saying hey don't forget covid's going on there are some things that are going to be different especially if you're a guest that's been with us before there are things that are going to be different from the last time you traveled and maybe this is a novel idea maybe you even proactively tell people yes we know we're not at our best right now here are the things when that we're having to sacrifice but guess what? We're going to be back to full force at some point. And when we are, not only do we appreciate your business now, but we're going to incentivize your business down the road. And here's some kind of discount or some kind of code for you to stay with us again in the future when we are at our best. That's the way to build loyalty, to set expectations, deliver an experience 
that exceeds those expectations and then improve the experience the next time they come stay with you. That's the way to build loyalty. I was going to say, let's just pretend COVID's done. It's never coming back or it never happened. Let's take some other kind of thing that's going on at your property. Like maybe, again, maybe there's been a hurricane or a fire and you've got construction going on at the property. Construction tends to be a little disruptive to people. That's probably a good thing to let people know is going on before they get on property and they realize it's super noisy and this is not what they were expecting on their quiet, peaceful getaway. Yeah. Again, you exacerbate the problem the longer you wait for it to to hit, right? So if you tell someone before they book that, that it's going to be noisy, you self-filter. Some people can say, okay, I can deal with that. And maybe your rates are reflective of that. And some people are not going to book and that's okay. Like you lo- use, lose their money, but you'll probably replace that with someone that's more tolerant. Then you tell them again in the confirmation and now they're like, okay, I get it. And um, if you don't, then they're going to show up and they're going to get really mad. They're going to stress out your stuff. They're probably going to demand money back. They're probably going to go onto social media. So it's better every time not to kick the can down the road. It's better every time to address the issue early on, just like we teach our kids, right? If you've made a mistake, the sooner you own up to it, the better it's going to be for you and everyone. The longer you wait to own up to a mistake or a problem, the worse it's going to get for everyone involved. Yeah. And, and honestly, from you kind of wrapping up step two of this process is to always be present because customers and your guests are having those conversations where they decide it makes the most sense to have that conversation. And it may not always be directly with you. You know, so obviously if a customer reaches out to you with a question or concern or comment, clearly you want to be present for that customer and that guest and immediately respond to them within, I mean, if you can respond to them right away if, or if it takes a couple minutes, but make sure that you have staff on board to do so because you don't want them festering and getting more and more frustrated. And that may be on whatever platform that the customer wants to communicate with you on. It may not be over the phone. It may not be via email or anything else. It might be they only commun- want to communicate with Facebook Messenger or if you have an app, your in-app messaging platform. Make sure you're there and engaging them wherever it is that they may be having that concern. Yeah. If you have a presence, you have to be present, period. Right. Yep. You don't have to have a presence everywhere. You don't need to have a TikTok account if you can't manage it. Right. You don't have to have an Instagram if you can't manage it. But if you do have one, you better be paying attention to it 100%. And there's this tendency in our industry to devalue online guests or online quote-unquote users as less than real, right? There's this hierarchy of if someone's in front of me at the front lobby, I'm going to give them an amazing amount of attention. Like I've seen people that will take an hour out of their day to give someone a tour of the property, right? They're really going to roll out the red carpet because someone's right in front of them slightly below that on the phone if someone picks up the phone you're going to give them attention and you're going to try to treat them like a real person not quite as much as on on property but pretty close and then there's a chasm between that and how we treat online guests whether that's a website quote-unquote user whether that's an email address we have whether that's someone on messenger or a live chat or whatever it is we treat them somehow as not as valuable as people in front of us, which is ludicrous because they're equally valuable people. They have equally valuable money that they're willing to spend with you. They're equally valuable as loyal long-term guests. We need to start 
treating people online the same way we treat them in person. Yep. And that even includes going beyond people who are even talking to you. Let's think about reviews as a perfect example, where anytime you're communicating with a guest, it's a one-on-one communication. Reviews can be that, except it's a one-on-one communication while you're on a stage and everybody can he- is dropping in and eavesdropping on the conversation. So if somebody's had a great experience, especially during a time of disaster or COVID, and they leave a great review for you on TripAdvisor or Google, wherever that might be, responding to that review and thanking them. But even more important than that is if a customer came to your property and they didn't have the expectations versus reality matrix in line and they leave a bad review, make sure that you're communicating to that customer so that all your other customers can see on those review responses and let them know, yes, what happened was unfortunate. This is what we've done to fix the problem. I'm going to be reaching out to you separately to make sure this is all all good for you. But that is so important because we talked about it before, 80% of your guests aren't going to book a property without reading reviews. And by not responding and being present there as well, you're really hurting your opportunity for future success. Yeah, just imagine, like just paint the mental image of someone standing in your lobby wanting to lodge a complaint. They have a grievance and they want to vocalize it. And they're standing in your lobby. You would never, ever consider not sending someone to talk to that person. Like never. It wouldn't even enter your head that that was an okay thing. And yet we do it online. And to Pete's point, you know, imagine if there was a big crowd of people surrounding that person who was making the complaint. It makes it a million times worse that we ignore them. So stop, stop doing it. Stop treating online people less than because they're equally as valuable as in-person people. Absolutely. All right. Want to jump on to our final step, which is step three? All right, this one's broken up into a few parts as well, but it's really defining the where and the how of how you're going to communicate in times of disaster. And you know, in the presentation, I've kind of gone into a little bit more detail of what we need to do from a on-property perspective, website, email, and social communications, how you should adjust your advertising, what you should be doing from a PR perspective, and then even keeping an eye to see if you're guest might be shifting and understanding your customer might be a little bit different. Uh, from an online, on, on-site perspective, it, it's very clear what you need to be doing. You need to make sure that the guests have very visual symbols of what you're doing in the case of COVID to keep them safe. And that's if, even if it's a hurricane, if there was construction, everything that you're doing to keep your guests safe and address the issue at hand. You know, so for... COVID or whatever it might be, you know, those social distancing cues of how you, you know, welcome someone at the front desk, you know, how, what your staff does in terms of interacting with guests, handshaking, how your front desk staff, how your housekeeping, how everybody works together. You want to make sure it's very clear for customers. And a lot of that is important from a hygiene perspective, but a lot of it is also in the theater department. You, know, you want to make sure that you're displaying all the things you're doing to keep your guests safe. And while it may have been important in the past to somewhat hide your housekeeping process because you don't want to bother the guest, that's not necessarily the case anymore. People want to see you know, touch screens getting wiped down. They want to see 
you know, hand sanitation stations. They want to see someone cleaning anything that, you know, people might touch on the property. So making sure you have those processes and you have the proper training so that everybody can display that same message to your guests. So from on, on property, that's going to be very specific to your property, obviously, but, you know, make sure you do account for that. And it sort of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about setting expectations and being deliberate about what, you know, being deliberate and honest about what you are now compared to what you were and what you will be in the future. You know, not forgetting and discounting how people still feel and, and recognizing that although you personally might be back to a point, maybe you're vaccinated and you feel back to normal and you're ready to be reckless like Pete again, it doesn't mean that everyone's in that same position. You know, it might be a couple that has kids that haven't been vaccinated. It, it might just be that someone still has a lot of fear because maybe they, they experience COVID in a more real way. You know, maybe they've lost people or gone through it themselves and it's just left more of a traumatic impression on them. So keeping in mind that not only are people equally valuable when they're in front of you, keep in mind too that they're equally unique and that just because one thing is important to one guest doesn't mean that that's the same thing that's important to another. So you've got to cater to everyone. So going from there onto really what's going to be the heart of all your communications is your website. Crafting your website messaging is the most important thing that you can do because that's going to set the stage for everything else. This is where customers typically first start interacting with you. Putting the pieces in place to make sure that when a visitor first gets to your website, the very first thing they see is addressing those key concerns that we talked about in that customer sentiment study. Their concern is safety, making sure that their stay is going to be risk-free. So you want to address that with what we call little alert boxes at the top of the site. They're letting them know that you have a COVID policy with the main promotional areas, letting them see that you have you know, a clean room, using your housekeeping staff and your photography being masked up as they're cleaning the property, just so everyone knows as they're browsing from the start to the finish that you have policies in place to make their stay safe and relaxed and enjoyable. And, and be sure that as those policies evolve, which they inevitably will right now, you know, we use the word agility a lot on this show. And one, one thing's for sure is the, the properties that have been more agile and willing to change and adapt have been the ones that have been most successful. So you know, your local mandates might be changing. Your consumer expectations might be changing or will be changing as, as we move forward. So being clear and don't forget to update your policies across the board as that happens is critical because you don't want to have, uh, again, missed opportunity related to expectations and experience if you're saying one thing on your website and it hasn't been updated in six months but protocols in in the property have changed that's where you're going to get uh cattywampus to use melissa's word with the, the guests right they're, they're not going to see what they're expecting and this is when things get out of control yeah and honestly what you should have and it's one of our key recommendations is have a dedicated page if not section addressing all these customer concerns. So we know that the number one concern is guest safety, followed by staff procedures to keep the property safe, making sure that if they need to cancel a reservation that they can do so without, without risk. And we just wanna make sure that we're going through all of those objections and all those hurdles that a guest would have to go through and we're checking them all off. And that goes beyond just what happens at the property. That includes 
the entire area that your hotel is located at. So you know, if you are in an area that is in the process of reopening and your mask mandates have completely changed, don't rely on a DMO or a marketing organization to let your guests know about that. Do that on your own website because a lot of times if someone's going through that booking process, they're never going to go to another website and you don't want to incentivize them to do so because you haven't given them the information. Yeah, sorry. I'm jumping in on this is maybe jumping ahead, but don't forget it's not just the website because once they make that booking, something may have changed before they arrive. So you want to be in constant communication with them with those updates. Yeah, om- omni-channel communication. Omni-channel. Now more than ever, it's so important that you have omni-channel communications. It's the new normal. <laughs> yeah. So, it, it, and reason why you would not want to start with your website is because this is typically where you're going to be directing those email communications, those push messages, the text. You're going to be sending them to some place for typically more detailed information. You know, that becomes great searchable, indexable content that will help your site as well. But kind of going on from what you have on the website, Melissa, to your point, making sure that your email communications are where they need to be. Because you want to make sure that, obviously for new orders, existing orders, even canceled orders, you want to be reaching out to them and making them feel, if they have an upcoming stay, very comfortable about the fact that they do have an upcoming stay. But even for canceled orders, if someone canceled a visit to your property because of COVID, all they did was cancel that stay. It wasn't something that your property did that prevented them from wanting to stay at that property. It was because of something completely existential to to you. So work those canceled orders, be a servant, be helpful to them, and work on getting them back to your property when the time is right for, for that guest. Yeah, and again, keeping in mind that not every guest is built the same and thinks the same and feels the same and is going to be ready at the same time. So a little patience here. I think one of the reasons we're doing this episode right now is because a lot of folks think we're at this completely new phase and that we can forget everything we've been doing for the last 12 months. And we wanted to do this episode really as a reminder that not not don't not quite so fast. Hold your horses a little bit. Not everyone's at the same place. You need to continue to be talking about safety protocols and the things you're doing. And as things evolve, continuing to communicate them. Absolutely. I think people are ready to get back to normal and we're not quite there yet. Absolutely. And you know, that goes to, you know, obviously we have our triggered campaigns that we're sending out to guests, but your just your, your guest history and your leads, keep those communications open. The properties who we saw or we are seeing do the best now are the ones who never stopped communicating with their guest. Those properties that went into a hole and just hid, they're having a lot harder time reconnecting. But the ones that still had monthly communications going out, newsletters, and just letting their potential guests know what's going on with the property and with the area, you're still creating that relationship. All you're doing now is you're just being more of an innkeeper than an order taker. And that is so important to be doing. So, and one of the best places to do that is from your social side. So kind of moving on from there, having a social strategy as part of your communications plan for disasters is very important. But understand that that social strategy is not a, hey, let's drive as many likes as we can. It's let's create authentic extensions of the experience that a guest would have at our property and engage them more on the aspirational level 
if a guest can't actually come to visit your property. You want to still deliver that same level of happiness. You know, for for example, there was a and beyond travel group which does African safaris and tours. Instead of them just going dark or just saying 10% off, they were doing a lot of really cool things related to, you know, here's our top books regarding African travel or here's, you know, different videos, here's, you know, virtual tours that you can take to keep the person mentally aware and engaged even when they can't physically be a part of you. Yeah, I saw some really cool things where local area uh, businesses would have like live musicians just playing for nobody, but we're streaming it on Facebook just to keep them like, hey, don't forget about us. It's pretty cool. Yep. Like yeah, there was one property. Uh, was it Dead Dog Saloon in Merle's Inlet? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They had these virtual concerts and it was crazy the amount of people tuning in and talking about it after the fact. Yeah, and I bet a, a good percentage of those people, I mean, obviously they're more likely to go to Dead Dog now than before, and a lot of them probably will. All right, so next part of the, the communications plan is paid marketing. And not in the really the sense I think that you're thinking, but you want to evaluate your paid marketing plans and make sure that they still make sense and they're still based on what's what the current reality is. You, know, you don't need to be spending a ton of money to drive direct bookings if your property is closed and you're not sure when it's going to open. You want to shift your your spend so that you're able to implement your, your paid marketing side as effectively as possible when it's going to make the most sense. Obviously, you want to adjust your messaging. You want to be very, very cognizant of what users are searching for from a PPC perspective and making sure that where you're showing up makes sense. There's probably a lot of negative keywording that you need to put in place to, to not be wasting a ton of money. You know, and on top of that, just make sure that you're using all the tools at your disposal that every platform has to offer. You know, if it's, if it's Google, if it's TripAdvisor, whatever it might be, use the tools that you have so that you still have, so that your paid marketing are still effective for you. And keep in mind that you may have sort of normal feeder markets from a geography standpoint that are still not open and possibly have to quarantine after being out of state. And it's, it may not be your, your prime target for people at this point to try and pay to get them to your property because they, they're less likely to go because now they have to quarantine for two weeks after they get back. Exactly. I mean, for, for our area in Myrtle Beach specifically, or really anybody who had a lot of traffic from, from, the, the, from New York, from New Jersey, Canada specifically, where, where they had the border closed for a while, it made no sense to invest what little marketing dollars that you had to spend to a place that that person could never visit you. It's the same reason why typically you don't see a lot of West Coast PPC campaign ads on the East Coast and vice versa. All right. What's next? So the next one is, I would say, from a PR perspective, and this kind of goes beyond just the website, but make sure that your property and your disaster plan has a component that talks about how do you engage local media, chambers, DMOs, and whomever else is your atypical type customer, but it's going to be very helpful for you from a news media perspective. But starting off by assigning a, a spokesperson and making sure that they have the right message and that they proactively reach out to people who can help spread the message about your property. So 
you know, if that's talking to news media, your local radio stations or TV, or even on a national level, making that happen because you can position your property as the, the thought leader and the, the person who's looking out for the entire community. And that's, that's a really great thing if, if someone's looking for local information. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, one of the much underutilized tactics related to PR is really trying to reach out to media in your driver markets, right? And, and just like we talked earlier about the Saratoga Arms did that, give, give them a reason. A lot of media, especially TV right now and newspapers, they're really thirsty for stories. If you have something interesting and you can put it, deliver it to them on a platter and it isn't so you know self-serving that it, it doesn't become workable um th- they're gonna bite more more often than not it does take a little bit of effort you've got to be proactive and build those relationships but it's worth the investment because i mean it's essentially free advertising if you can get enough exposure and i i just i i just wish more people would put the effort into it because it's very very powerful yeah, and Stuart, one of the things that you really want to do there is when you before you even reach out to them, make sure you have put the time and effort into creating tools that they can use. Uh, research, trends, even writing articles about your area and getting that posted to your website so that it becomes really easy for the news media to take that and use it as a story. That is so important because they're busy. And I mean, let's be honest, a lot of people are a little lazy too. And if they can find something that's easy for them to, you know, cut and paste into their format and you've delivered that, it's going to help you really expand your reach and expand your brand. Yep. What's up? All right. So kind of going from there, the, the one other thing that you really want to look at is your actual customers. Has your customer base and your guest base shifted. This is so true, especially as it relates to to group travel, which still is not back to where it was, <clears throat> where your you know, your leisure travel is coming back much more aggressively. Business travel is a, a real struggle still. So understand that if your customer base is changing, then you need to take a step back, change how you communicate, and also change how you're marketing. Yeah, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, just really paying attention to your guests, talking to the guests, spending the time to talk to them at the front desk or they're in, you know, getting something to eat at breakfast or lunch. Uh, and then also using online tools, you know, talking to people, engaging them with polls on your social channels or surveys to your email database. Really understanding what people are thinking, feeling and doing is going to help inform you and make you a better, smarter marketer and a better innkeeper in the long run. That is the truth. So so to answer the question, you need to have a disaster communications plan because if you have that and you have that put in place, the moment that it becomes important for you to, to start using it, you don't have to worry. All you have to do is open your plan, customize it, and then start working that plan. It's going to allow you to be a better servant to your guest. It's going to allow you to more appropriately address their concerns, be a better member of your community, and just avoid so much of the trouble that we saw so many properties have at the onset of COVID. That doesn't have to happen again. 
Yeah, and essentially, you know, a lot of what we're saying is take the lessons you've learned throughout the last 12 months and make sure you document it in a way so you don't have to relearn the same lessons next time something goes cattywampus. You you can write down your playbook now based on what you're doing now and as you're evolving now and then you have it. You know, whether it's for you or future staff, you, your property has a playbook that they can go off of next time something goes crazy like it has. Yep, watch out for cattywampusness. That's what I took out of this. I think I said the word twice, at least, in this I episode. think you did, yeah. yeah. It used to be yeah. Melissa's word, but you, you've taken it over. I'm, I'm trying to add it into the drinking bingo. You know, like now more than ever, you have to drink. You also yeah. have to, when we say cattywampus now. There you go. Which That's now it. that makes at least the fifth time someone said it on this episode. So <laughs> someone's pretty hammered around. There around you go. It's that. me. well good good stuff pete i think this is a good reminder for everyone a good refresher go back and listen we'll link in the show notes to the other um episodes that we've done sort of on this topic before but it's, it's something you need to continue to remind yourself of and practice and revisit from time to time so if you want to get those other ones, just go to the show notes for this episode, uh, which is fueltravel.com slash podcast. Click on episode 183. Good stuff. Next week, Melissa, we're going to have some more data. We love data. We love data. So uh, volume 12 of the sentiment study is coming out hot off the presses next week's episode. Uh, like Melissa said earlier, we've got some really interesting data in there we have a sample size again it's pretty large one of the largest in the industry out of all the sentiment studies out there we've got over 2,000 complete responses to this one and growing as we speak so we'll be doing the analysis early next week and then recording an episode for you guys and also putting it out on our website at fueltravel.com slash covid where you can get the original 11 uh, volumes of that travel study that we've been doing now for over a year, which is crazy. We thought that would be a one-time thing when we started it, and here we are, 12 volumes later. Crazy. That means I have to come up with another clickbaity subject line. I'm sure you can do it. You've done 11. You can do a 12. Okay. I have, I have belief in you. And and a lot has changed, you know. The vaccine thing is, is something that wasn't a reality last time we did this, you know, because I think the last survey was right before Christmas, and you know, here we are. Three months later, and a lot has changed, and yet some things haven't. So we'll, we'll be we'll be interesting. It'll be interesting for us to dive into that and, and talk about that in the next episode. And we also have a couple of announcements coming up here on the next few episodes of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. There's some of the changes are brewing. We'll be announcing that uh, some of it next week and some of it the following. But you stay tuned because you never know what's going to happen here on the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast, Pete. They want to learn more about you in, uh, on the social media somewhere. Where's the best place to do that? You know, between LinkedIn and Clubhouse, you can find me both places at Pete DeMeo, P-E-T-E-D-I-M-A-I-O. And Melissa? I would be happy to hear from anybody on LinkedIn or Clubhouse at Melissa Kavanaugh, K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. Thanks. You can find me on LinkedIn or Clubhouse at Stuart Butler. That's S-T-U-A-R-T-B-U-T-L-E-R. You can find us collectively online at Fuel Travel. FuelTravel.com is the mothership website where you can get information on all the great things we do here at Fuel, all the amazing websites, marketing services, software, all that fun stuff. 
fueltravel.com. Again, the notes to today's show, fueltravel.com slash podcast. Click on episode 183. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I just finished a piece of matzah. I don't know what that is. Sounds Jewish. It's very Jewish. It's basically a giant cracker with butter and a little bit of salt. It's delicious.